السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين The city of Mecca was uninhabited when Ibrahim السلام, left his son Ismail whom he had after many years and his wife Hajar and obeyed the instruction of Allah. He was asked by Allah to do something. Why did he obey the instruction of Allah? That's what I want to talk about in this particular segment. Why would he obey this instruction coming from Allah of something that did not make sense to him? And it's not the only time he did it in his life. At some point, Allah Almighty instructed him to sacrifice his own son. There might be a discrepancy among the faiths as to who exactly that son was. Islam clearly states it was Ismail. Some of the other religions say no, it was Ishaq or Isaac. But chronologically, it was impossible because there was only Ismail. He was the child, he was the first child. So if you look at it from a chronological perspective, there was only that particular child. However, that's not the debate this evening. What it is, is the question, why would Ibrahim, may peace be on him, want to obey or obey without questioning something that did not make sense to him at the time? Imagine someone were to tell you, leave your family here and go. There is an incident in the life of Ismail later on that is mentioned in some of the narrations that's been spoken about often and sometimes people abuse that today and say, well, we should do the same. What was that incident? One day later on, years later, when Ibrahim salam visited Mecca and he went to his son's house and he knocked the door and this lady comes out and she opened the door and she was complaining about everything about her husband who was not there. And so this man looks at this woman and says, well, tell him that such and such a person describing him came and said, you need to change. You need to change. And the word used is atabat al-bab, you know, the, the mat at your door or the receiver at your door. And so he went away. Ismail alayhi salam comes later on and his wife was very keen on letting him know there was an old man, this description. He came in and he said, you should change this of your door. He said, that was my father telling me to divorce you. You can go home. Whoa, whoa. That was my father telling me to divorce you. What was the purpose of telling her? That you need to get, you need to tell your husband to change this meaning to divorce you. But he didn't say it in those words because she wouldn't have said it. There was a crazy guy. He told me something crazy, but I'm not going to tell you. The reason is she was complaining about him to a stranger whom she didn't even know. What's the lesson? The lesson is for men and women. Be careful about your complaints. Your loved ones at home are your loved ones. You will have positives and negatives at home. 
you will have good and bad you will have happy days and sad days it doesn't mean you need to go out and explain or tell the entire world or strangers online or offline what's happening in your home because your problem will have been solved a long time back but the world will continue to believe that your marriage is on the rocks that your problem was solved it took me 15 minutes we solved the matter it took me 10 days a week we solved the matter we're living in harmony but they saw us five years later you know that couple they don't get along you know this and you know that and the stories are there be careful i wonder why we turned off the lights i was seeing such beautiful faces maybe they're punishing me for what i said about the air condition earlier i hope not now it's the lights all of them i can't see Mashallah. So my brothers and sisters, let me explain to you. <laughs> I'd rather close my eyes and speak. I can still see the faces I saw a little while ago in this hall. <laughs> anyway, we thank Allah for all his gifts. They say when it becomes dark, suddenly you pause for a few moments and the problem is resolved. You can start seeing again because of the gift of the almighty to mankind that your eyes will adjust to the dark and the light by the dilation of the pupils or the opposite depending on what is needed what an amazing gift of the almighty thank him so there we go there we go there we go mashallah that's the lights coming back slowly do you notice how they're teasing us one let me let me say a few better words they might listen and let us have another one this side. But my brothers and sisters, some time later, Ibrahim alayhi salam visited his son again. And his wife, a different wife, had opened the door. And she was so happy. She didn't know who it was, but she spoke very well. She spoke highly of her husband. She was very respectful. He says, tell him when he comes back that such and such was here. And he said, that you must, you should maintain the receiver of your door. And so later on, Ismail alayhi salam says, that was my father telling me that he's happy with you. You're a good wife and I should keep you. So I've had instances where fathers come and say to their kids, divorce your wife. And when we tell them you're not allowed to do that, the two are getting along quite well. And who are you to interfere? They say, well, didn't Ibrahim alayhi salam say to his son, divorce your wife and he had to do it. And I always say, you are not Ibrahim. You are not a prophet and your son is not Ismail. You need to know that. So don't come and tell me that you as a parent have for no reason the instruction in that regard because you don't. We will respect you. We will be kind to you. We will honor you. But we will also know you may make mistakes because you're a human being. Wherever that does happen, we will navigate through it at the time. May Allah Almighty make it easy for us to be the best children to our parents. Say Amin. And may Allah make us the best spouses to our spouses. And if it's very, very good, then the plural of spouses is spice. You need to remember that. May Allah Almighty grant us ease. My brothers, my sisters, Ibrahim alayhi salam left his children, his, his son, sorry, and his wife, meaning his family, and went off. The question is, why? Now here is why. 
When he was young, he saw his father doing things. He saw the community doing things. They would carve little objects and they would start worshipping anything and everything and they would call out to those things and they would worship those things and so on. And he kept saying, you can't man. There has to be a Lord, a Lord. There has to be something, someone greater than all of this. But he was a kid and as a kid, he started looking at things. He told them, how can you worship something that doesn't harm or protect itself, let alone you? And you're asking it for protection and you're asking it for things when it cannot provide those things for itself. You have to have a deity that can provide, that does provide, that is absolute, that is independent, that is absolutely amazing. And so his folks threatened him. His father says to him, we will cast you in the fire. We will throw you into a flame. Imagine his own son. My brothers and sisters, when your children ask you questions that are weird and strange and perplexing, something that you've never heard before, take it in your stride. Listen to them. Don't just threaten them. And don't just say shut up. And don't just say keep quiet. You're not allowed to ask. They may ask you some strange questions. Find the answer, buy a little bit of time, get the answer, take them to someone who knows, go and do the research, come. If you do not answer it, they will get the wrong answers from somewhere else. You need to know this. They will ask you some strange questions. Earlier, I heard of some men sitting in the crowd of women. One wonders, we're living in an age where those might actually have been women. May Allah protect us. May Allah safeguard us. If someone were to ask you such a question, you need to take it in your stride. You know from a religious perspective what is right and wrong shall remain right and wrong right up to the end of time. Come what may, come what may. But you need to know how to answer. You need to know how to speak. You need to know how to navigate through things, especially when it is someone that you are placed in authority over because that's your own child. The first school is the mother and the father and the family and then you send them to kindergarten and somewhere else and i hope that is the case because many times we don't know our own children because we're busy doing all sorts of other things and so the children probably speak a different language based on the language of the au pair or the maid my parents the biggest gift you can ever give your children is to spend time with them at a young age there's no bigger gift than that do you love your children? Don't tell them I love you as much as you spend time with them. Then you can say I love you. Quality time. Talk to them. Address them. Be patient with them. Go easy on them. Today the kids are being raised by the phone and the television. And the kids are being raised by society and community in a way that you have no say when they come back to you. And suddenly you don't even understand what is this child up to? I, I'm on a different page altogether. My mother, you did not participate in the child's life all along. And here you are today coming to try and interfere. The child doesn't want you anymore. Too late. From the very beginning, you involve in the life of the child. Ibrahim alayhi salam, if his father had engaged him properly in a good discussion without threats, perhaps the father may have been rightly guided, but Allah did not write it for him. If you do not shut up, I'm going to stone you. Imagine a father telling his son, 
if you don't shut up, I'm going to stone you. Oh. Then his father says, we're going to burn you. We'll throw you in the fire. A day came when everyone went for the festival. There was a whole, there was an entire warehouse filled with whatever they were worshipping. And the small boy, because he tried to engage them in discussion and they just didn't want to engage in discussion. No one could, no one wanted to listen to him, let alone answer his questions. He decided, let me break all of these things, see what they say. He went in there, he started talking to them. He, he, he decided one after the other, he left the axe on the big one. I'm sure you know the story. It's mentioned in the scripture. And so what happened is they came back. They noticed, hey, somebody's been in this warehouse. And they noticed, you know what, all of this is broken. And they decided to ask, who did this? And someone says, well, we know of a young boy called Abraham. He was mentioning these things. He was talking about these things. And so, when they asked him, he said, ask the big one. Ask the big one. He knows. He knows what happened. Ask him. If only he talks. They knew he doesn't talk. So he tells them, so then why do you worship that which can't speak? It can't defend itself. It can't, it can't save itself from attack. How is it going to save you from attack? It can't hear. How is it going to hear you? And so on. And it continued until they threw him into the fire. They made a huge fire and they catapulted him in. And Allah says, Ya narukuni barda wa salaman ala Ibrahim. Allah instructs the fire to be cool and to be a means of peace to Ibrahim. So whatever they tied him with in terms of the ropes and chains, everything melted, but he was unharmed. That is the Lord of the worlds. Ibrahim was then expelled from his community as a young man. And he went to, into the desert. He arrives in a place called Haran. And it was the evening. He saw all the stars and he said, you know what? These stars are twinkling. These stars are amazing. This is better than what they were worshipping in terms of its greatness. Could it be my Lord? No, it couldn't be. The reason is, it disappears. The stars disappear. My Lord doesn't disappear. My Lord is a Lord who doesn't disappear. He saw the moon. The moon came out bright, shining, amazing. I wonder if you saw the blue moon day yesterday and the day before. It was out so beautifully. I didn't see the blue in it, but they call it a blue moon because it comes once in a blue moon. That's what they say. Actually, the once in a blue moon is probably named after that. Once in a blue moon, once after so many years, it happens. They say this guy visits once in a blue moon, he comes to Trinidad. Well, exactly when the blue moon came, I came. <laughs> so my brothers and sisters, he saw the moon and he says, well, that's even bigger. But when the moon started setting again, he says, it can't be my Lord. My Lord cannot set, cannot not be there sometimes. And suddenly early morning, he sees the sunrise. Now, listen to this. It's a very powerful point. This young man saw the stars every night. He saw the moon every time he could see it. He saw the sun every single day. But it was the first time he was pondering. It shows us that at times there are so many signs around us 
that would lead us towards the greatness of our maker, but we've never pondered over them. We haven't thought, but it's in front of your face every day, but you didn't think. So this is why Allah Almighty says, Indeed in the creations of the sky, in the creation of the skies and the earth, and in the rotation of the night and the day are signs for those with intellect. Signs of what? Signs to prove that you have a Lord and there is a Lord who made all of this. It's not coincidental. Take a look at the movement of the moon, the movement of the earth, the 24 hour, the rotation. When the when this day is longer, the night is shorter. When the night is longer, the day is shorter. How does it happen? It's rotation. Allah says it in the Quran. Each one of these planets rotating in a particular orbit, absolutely perfect. The sun will never come to say, today I don't want to rise. The moon will not say, today I'm not going to appear at all. I don't want to. We can actually calculate the nanosecond when there will be daybreak. That's how accurately they have been created. That's Allah. That's not a mere coincidence. I always tell people, well, if you say I was a coincidence or man was just a coincidence, why have there not been any other coincidences in the last so many thousands of years? Why is there no other coincidence that suddenly popped up another type of a human being? And they said, well, we too were just a coincidence. Why? Number two, if I came about or anyone else came about from another animal, I remember one man saying, you know, we're from apes. I said, well, maybe you're from an ape because I'm not from an ape, right? But if people think that, why has it not happened in the last so many years? Why has it only happened back in the day and nobody even agreed with it? Whereas there are billions and trillions and whatever gazillions of people who have borne witness that there was a man known as Adam. It's not just the Muslims who say that. It's the Christians and the Jews and all of those with Semitic faiths. They say we started off somewhere. A man. Subhanallah. So Ibrahim, when he saw the sun rise, he thought about it. He says, Hada Rabbi, Hada Akbar. It's just a pondering. He says, perhaps this might be my Lord because it's the biggest of all of them. When he saw it setting, he says, no, no, no. He says, If whoever made me, my Lord is not going to guide me, I will be astray. Now, Muslims pray five times a day. In every unit of prayer, we read a small chapter of the Quran known as the opening chapter. It's called Surah Al-Fatiha. It takes us a few seconds to read it. In it, there is a supplication that every one of us has to make in every unit of prayer. Minimum 17 units throughout the day. What is the prayer? Guide us to the straight path. 
the path of those whom you have favored and not the path of those who have earned your anger or gone astray or not the path of those who have gone astray or earned your anger. Okay? My brothers and sisters, that is the most repeated supplication on earth. It is repeated by all of us, billions of us, many times a day, so many units a day, because the most powerful prayer you could ever make to the Almighty is, Oh Allah, please guide me. Oh my Lord, guide me. Oh you who made me, guide me. Guidance is the, the most powerful. He will guide you to Him. That's what He will do. Worship Him. Here is Abraham, may peace be on him, saying, Oh my Lord, guide me. If you don't guide me, I'm going to be misguided. I'm going to be the loser. And Allah Almighty guided him. He says, almost immediately, I have turned my face. I've turned my face. To who? To the one who has created the heavens, the skies and the earth. Purely for him, I've turned my face in worship only to whoever made me and no one else. Wow. Have you noticed slowly how these lights turned on? They did it quietly. They thought we were not going to notice. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you guys. Reward you, inshallah. You can turn on the air condition in a similar fashion. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, that is Ibrahim. May peace be on him. He discovered this was the power. He says, whoever made me, I worship you alone. That is called submission. I submit, submit to whom? Whoever made me. I just know I'm going to worship one supreme deity. Whoever made me, he is in control of everything and he is the one I'm going to return to. That is Ibrahim. That was loved by the Almighty so much. I will tell you what happened as a result of that. Amazing. He says, I will never associate partners in worship to anyone with the one who made me. The one who made me is alone, no partners. He doesn't have a partner. And that's the reason why the submission always is a statement that says, there is none worthy of worship besides he who made me. There is none worthy of worship besides the one I'm going to return to. There is none worthy of worship besides the one in control of, of entire existence. He has absolute control of it. That is submission. We believe that Adam said the same statement and Noah said the same statement and Abraham said the same statement. Ishaq, Ismail, Yaqub, Moses, Jesus, Aaron, whoever it was, all of them from the beginning, Suleiman, Lot, David, all of them said the same statement. There is none worthy of worship besides he who made me. That's it. So I won't render any act of worship to anyone besides he who made me. What do we call him? In the Arabic language, it's Allah. Allah, the worshipped one. In Hebrew, Elohim or Eloha. The one, the supreme, the deity, the creator, the irresistible. The one whom we are going to return to. Where was I before I was born? Wherever I was, when I pass away, I'm going to go back there. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. When something happens as Muslims, you hear news that might not be so favorable. The first thing you're taught to say is inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. It means we all belong to Allah and we're all going to, going to 
Return to him. What's the meaning of return? Does the term return not imply that you were there? You're going to go back there. You see, I was with Allah. I'm going to go back to Allah. That's what it is. In the interim, while you are here, do good deeds. Become a good person. Care for others. Why? Let me quickly explain why. When you want to impress someone, you're always nice to that person. Talking of a human. And you are nice to anything that that person is connected to. Say you see someone, you're very nice to them. I'm nice to you. You're either my boss, you're either a person I work for, you're either a very important person, you're someone I like, you're someone I love, licit or illicit, whatever it may be. What happens? Now you see my something dear to me, you're, you're good to it, you're kind to it. Why? That's my boss's children. Hi, how are you? But you're quite a nasty person. But to your boss's children, you're so kind. Do you know why? Might lose my job. Something might happen, right? Agreed. I don't want to spoil this relation. Oh, wow. So you're being nice because of some link. I tell you something. The example of our maker is far higher than that. Walillahi al a'la. The example is far higher. We are taught that in life, we will worship our maker alone. We will impress him alone. We will do whatever we're doing for him to see, to accept, to adopt, and meaning to accept it from us. Right? Anything he made should be dear to us. We will respect it, honor it, and fulfill its rights. Be it animal, be it another human, be it the ecosystem, the trees, the birds, the insects, the lizards, whatever it may be. I'm going to be kind and respectful. Do you know why? I'm trying to impress the maker of the entire creation. I will not be able to do that if I do not respect everything else that he has made. Simple as that. That's why the hadith says, when you quench the thirst of a dog, this is your reward. If you take a look, if you take, if you look after the cats or your kind to the animals, this is your reward. If you are going to so, uh, plant a tree that has shade or provides shade or fruit, you will get a reward. If you're going to drill a well, you will get a reward. If you're going to reach out to people with food and drink, you will get a reward. And the Almighty says, we could have done all of that on our own, but... We want to give you a chance to gain closeness to us because you are on earth in order to be tested. Pass your test. We could have done it on our own. Allah provides for creatures you never know and you will never know. He provides for those creatures. The ants that are perhaps in this room might be more than us in number somewhere. Who knows? We don't know. Who provides for those ants? The Almighty. Did he need you and I? No, he didn't. So if he, didn't, if he did not miss the ant, you really think he's going to miss you and I? He's going to provide. So Ibrahim, may peace be on him. He turned to the Almighty, says, I'm going to worship you alone. Like I said, submission. When he submitted, the Almighty loved it so much because it's a pure statement coming from a pure soul and really powerful and he meant what he said he endured in the face of his lord that which was absurd because they tried to harm him he didn't give up they they tried to do things to him he didn't give up they told him to leave he didn't give up he kept on searching 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 until he found he says i'm going to worship my maker alone and that's it now the almighty says okay there you go now you've passed your tests one after the other we need to test you to prove that 
you are indeed, indeed truthful in your belief. You see, it's not good enough to just say, I'm a believer. And then you think you're not going to be tested. The Almighty has to test you. When you go for an interview for the job, they don't just believe that, okay, that's it. They might ask you questions that are relative to your job in order to distinguish one from the other. The same applies at school. They know you know. Your teacher taught you the whole year. The teacher knows exactly what you know and don't know. But the same teacher still comes up with questions knowing that these are probably going to pass and these are probably not going to. So then why do they test you anyway? They test you to give you an opportunity you might have learned. We told you, we taught you. We gave you the answers at some point. Now you need to know. So Allah tells us, we've done for you something similar where we gave you the answers. You know the answers. We're going to throw the tests at you one after the other. What are you going to do? It's dangling in front of you. What are you going to do? You're either going to abstain if it's something displeasing to Allah. And you know what Allah says? I've never made something prohibited for you unless it is harmful for you. And I've never made something obligatory upon you unless it is beneficial for you. Because no matter how much you worship, it's not going to increase my value. It will help you. No matter what you are going to do in terms of transgression, it's not going to decrease my value. It will harm you. That's Allah. So Ibrahim says, well, here I am, but I don't have children. He didn't have kids for a long time, many years. He calls out to his maker alone, not for one or two or three years, for a long, long time. Many of us don't have children and we are married and we are struggling. Subhanallah. May Allah bless you with children who will be the coolness of your eyes. Say Ameen. Because children alone is not necessarily a gift. It could be the source of your distress. Many people have children and later on they regret it's the source of their distress. So to pray for children who will be the coolness of your eyes is the real prayer. And I remember the children when I was speaking to a group of people, among them were children and adults. And I said, may Allah bless you with children who are the coolness of your eyes. And they were quiet. I said, say, Amin. So someone put up his hand and says, but we... Not even married yet. Say Ameen, because that Ameen would mean you're going to get a good wife to start with or a husband, right? Ameen. Allah bless me and say, oh Allah, grant me children who will be the coolness of my eyes. That's, that's an all-inclusive three-in-one shampoo. It's got everything there. Mashallah. May Allah bless us with children. Ameen. It's like whenever you make dua, say, may Allah bless you with good wives. The married guys are the ones who say, Ameen, Ameen. My brother... Make, leave a little bit at least for the guys who are not married. Man. May Allah bless you all and bless us. I mean, look how I had to say bless us. Allahu Akbar. But it's true. So Ibrahim alayhi salam, Allah decided to hold back from him certain things. Did it turn him away from Allah? No, it didn't. It made him stronger. How many of us, when the Almighty takes away certain things from us, we turn away from him. We say he doesn't love me anymore. He's not caring for me. The prophets, one after the other, they went through a lot in terms of negativity against them from their own people. Look at Jesus, may peace be upon him. What did they not do to him? Look at Moses, may peace be upon him. How the Pharaoh was not just against him and his people from the beginning to the end. Look at Muhammad, peace be upon him, how his own people treated him. That doesn't mean the Almighty is upset with you. He's not. The light's a bit brighter. Notice, subhanallah. 
We're getting there. We're getting there. Mashallah. Chuni, well done. Mashallah. My brothers and sisters, don't ever think that because of a hardship that's in your life, your Lord does not love you. In fact, maybe sometimes that hardship came because he loves you even more. He wants to tap you to turn to him, like I said in the first section of this tour. Some people are far away from their maker. So what happens? He takes away your health. He takes away your job. He takes away one, two things. And if you turn to the clubs and if you turn to the bottle and if you turn to bad habits, you probably will remain where you are and even be worse. Even the non-Muslims will tell you that the bottle is a habit that really we struggle with when it's in our families. We pray that it doesn't happen. And the gambling and people don't talk about it. It's a very bad habit. People have lost their homes and houses and their hard-earned cash because they gamble. Gamble in what way? Gambling. And what else do they do? Drugs, intoxicants. It's just weed. Not much more. Just weed. Have you seen the weeds? Have you tried to plant them and then look at the disaster? The entire garden is messed up because of one weed. It develops to heroin and cocaine and everything else. Why? It started off with just weed. That's it. Just weed. If it was weed, it was going to be okay. <laughs> By the way, that's the correct recitation and the correct pronunciation within the Quran. The art of it is known as tajweed. That's why we say tajweed. But because the end of it is the weed bit, it doesn't make it permissible. That's just for those of you who might not know. But my brothers and sisters, that habit is so bad that even the ordinary cigarette you should be telling yourself, I'm going to quit this and quit it now. Notice the silence, especially from this side. I met a brother once and it's a true story after I delivered a talk and I spoke about cigarettes and I said it's such a bad habit that you're not allowed to internationally sell cigarettes without writing on the box smoking is harmful or smoking kills I say well it kills you know what breathing air also kills they say when I'm gonna breathe and breathe more and more one day I die I say come on my guy a brother comes to me after the talk and I, I actually said that in some of the countries you have to have it printed on every single cigarette do you know that I'm just talking about tobacco cigarettes. If that was so bad, imagine the, the vaping and the, what else do they call it? The shisha and whatever else. People say, that's cool. It's even more harmful than this. It's even more harmful than this. But we don't want to know. Do you know why? Let me explain why. The brother comes to me after the lecture. He says, Sheikh, I disagree with one thing you said. I said, what is it? He says, why do you attack the cigarettes and so on? I said, my brother, it's not me. It's not even the Muslims. It's the, the non-Muslims as well. The atheists, agnostics and all of those are all across the globe have no connection with the religion are the ones also saying that you have to say it's harmful and it's definitely something that kills and so on and so forth. Not just me. He says, no, very bad. I disagree. And you know what? It's wrong. You spoke about the shisha clubs and the lounges. You spoke about uh, the e-cigarettes and whatnot. Do you know? Do you even know? Are you even a doctor? You know, stick to your topic. He was getting quite emotional. I said, no problem, brother. Thank you so much. I think I'll stick to what I said. Went away. A guy taps me on my shoulder, says, this guy sells cigarettes for a living. This guy has shisha lounges and clubs. 
this guy sells the vapes and the e-cigarettes. I said, no wonder why. No wonder why, subhanallah. Anything on earth, subhanallah, that you find that is harmful for you. Remember, ask yourself, most probably that would be something prohibited by the Almighty for Muslims. It's harmful, then you should abstain. Then you find a wise crack saying, well, you know what, what about food and so on, cholesterol, meat and beef and whatever. Sometimes the food that is permissible and halal, we've eaten it in such a way that now it's harmful for us. So you've got to cut down or stop completely. That's what it is. Not because it's prohibited religiously, but because of the way you ate it in the past or because of a health matter that you might be going through. So you would be foolish. Sugar, as sweet as it may be for some of us, it's not a good thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So Allah tests this man. Didn't have children for a long time. At old age, Allah decides, you know what? We're going to bless him with a child. Here you are. Wife is expecting. Oh, happy, excited. I know people who've had children after 20 years. I know some 14 years, 12 years, 8 years. I can actually, I know who they are. I can even name them. Subhanallah. After we lost hope and suddenly this is what happens. Sometimes one, two years, people turn away from the Almighty. Like I said, come back to the Almighty. Don't lose hope. Keep calling out to Allah. If he has blocked something, you need to know and believe that there is a reason why he blocked it. That is beyond my comprehension, but it must be a positive reason. Imagine having something you desperately wanted and that turns out to be the source of all of your sadness. You would rather have been blocked from it at the beginning. Your child wants a knife. That's what it is. A two-year-old wants a sharp knife. Are you going to give the child? No. Why? Because we're going to regret it. But is a knife a bad thing? A knife is a good thing and can be a bad thing. But for this child, it's always a bad thing. Because they could hurt themselves, they could hurt someone else, they could kill themselves, they could kill others. So when a parent blocks a child crying, screaming, yelling at the top of his voice, asking you every day for one year, give me the knife, give me the knife, give me the knife, give me the knife. And what are you saying? No, 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 you've hidden all the knives, you've taken them away, whatever, whatever. What will people say to you? And later on, what will the child tell you when the child grows older? Thank you, mom, for never giving me that knife. No matter how much I cried, you knew something I didn't know. My mind was not developed enough to understand and realize what you were doing was the best. Wallahi, the entire public will cheer you on that you did not give the child the weapon or the knife. Same happens to us with Allah. You don't know the future. He knows it. A day will come. If Allah were to show you how it would have been, had you had what you wanted, you would tell him, I really thank you for keeping it away from me. Do you know the knowledge of your maker? How it is as Muslims, we are taught the knowledge of the Almighty what we're taught is the almighty Allah knows what happened, what is happening, what will happen, what happened, how it happened and all its details, what is happening now, how it's happening and all its details, what will happen in the future, how it's going to happen and all its details. And one more thing he knows, he knows what is not going to happen. 
if it were to happen, how it would have happened. Oh. Go back to Surah Al-Kahf and read it. It says there, if this child was given life for longer, they would have been the source of distress for the parents. So therefore, we caused the death of the child at an earlier age. If this boat had gone further, it would have been taken by a man who was further up in authority. We're taking all the good boats, so we made sure there was a hole in the boat before it went. If this wall had fallen, the treasure that was underneath it would have been taken before the little boys whom it belonged to had grown up. So we made, we made sure that someone straightened that wall. Allahu Akbar. What does this mean? Something that was never going to happen in the future. If it had happened, how it would have happened? The Almighty knows that. So you're begging and asking and seeking for something, whatever it might be. It could be to marry a particular person. Allah says, no chance. You don't know. This guy is a bull. You don't know. You don't know this is not going to work. Or let's say something even deeper. You don't know when the two of you, if you were to be married in the future, what children you might have had might have been the wrong type of children for you in terms of the distress that they were going to bring you because of the qualities or the bad habits. So whatever it may have been, we blocked it. So whatever the reason of the blocking, for as long as you have a connection with your maker, you will be content that the Almighty kept you where you are. Are you not breathing? Are you not eating? Do you not have some clothes? Do you not have a place you can call home? Do you not have a bedding? Do you not have... Well, then thank Allah because there are some who don't even have what you have. Every one of us cries over things that we don't have without realizing that what we have is actually the source of the tears of those who don't have it. They are crying to get to where we've gotten. We are crying to get to where someone else has gotten. Those people are crying to get to where someone else has gotten until we die and we realize, you know what? It was all a waste of time. We had everything all along. Thank Allah. Live with what you have. Work towards the goodness. Work towards getting more. And in the interim, thank Him for what you have. And keep enjoying, alhamdulillah, but don't lose your link with Him. Don't let your gain on earth make you lose track of your prayer. Don't let your gain on earth make you lose track of your goodness. You need to be a good, kind person. Connect with your maker. Connect with the others. That's what it's all about. So Ibrahim salam was blessed with this child. He was so happy and delighted. And here comes what Allah tells him. Allah says, we want you to leave this child and this wife of yours here in this particular spot of the desert. Where was it? Desert. There may have been life. In fact, there was life long back perhaps there, but no trace of it. No trace of it. Imagine if someone were to tell us, leave your wife and child here and go. What is there there? No roads, no water, no amenities, no transport, no people, the heat, no even birds, no nothing in the middle of nowhere, no direction, no zero, and I'm just here, and my Lord is saying, leave them and you go. This was the beauty of the prophet Abraham. He didn't even ask, should I leave them? No, the instruction came once and just once alone. Our weakness is, we know what the Almighty says, but we think about it, right? 
Mm, are you sure? Is it? Isn't it? It's a, I give you an example, our example. You've got to get up in the morning. Ah, let's see. Let's not see. Mm, here's Ibrahim. Something tough. Why did he not question it? He didn't question it because he knew where it was coming from. That's the answer to the question I asked right at the beginning of this talk. He knew where it was coming from. This is from my Lord. Finished. I trust him and I know. That's it. Done. Whatever he's done, he's protected me in the past. From the, 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 the flames, the heat of the flames and so on. He's protected me from so much more. They couldn't harm me, couldn't hurt me. Because of my Lord, today he's instructing me. I'm going to obey this instruction that does not make sense to me at all. It would not make sense to any human being to just leave their family somewhere and go. And I remember there was once a couple... And the woman comes and says, you know, my, my husband in the middle of the highway, he opened the door, he told me, get out. And he made me come, leave and, and he drove off. I said, what did you do? Well, I had to stop people and I had to find my way. And I asked the husband, were you mad? He says, I was very angry, I did it. I said, you're not allowed. He said, but Ibrahim salam did it before. Did what? Are you okay? Did what? Left his family. Left his family. That is an instruction of Allah. Please don't abuse text that is from our scripture and from the Quran and Sunnah and try and do things that are crazy and say, well, it happened in the past. It, what happened in the past? You need help, my brother. You need to go and see a psychiatrist, please. Have some medication, man. Guess what? She still went back to the same guy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us happiness. It happens, doesn't it? Something absurd. And we still going back to the same guy. What happened? Ah, that's humankind. Humankind. I tell, I tell people, Islam teaches you to forgive, but it does not teach you to forget. You forgive, don't forget. Why? Because you're not supposed to be bitten from the same hole twice. So then what happens? Well, you, you forgive and don't forget. Allah will allow you to forget it at some point when goodness follows and follows. You see, I can't forget how you hurt me. But when you've already for years on end, you've proven so much otherwise, a day may come when... I won't remember that you hurt me, but if I sit and think about it, I may recall. But I say, no, you know what? It's forgotten. But in actual fact, to say just forgive and forget, that word just is out of place. You can't just forgive and forget. I mean, come on. I'm a human. I'll forgive you, no problem. But I'm not going to forget what you did. Every time I see you, I'll see the crime in your face. It's possible. It's normal. It can happen. May Allah help us to erase the bad memories. So Ibrahim salam goes and he goes walking. His wife asked him one question because they also grew up with him in his company. He didn't ask Allah. Allah says, leave them here and go. He did not ask Allah. His wife asks him, Allahu amaraka. Did your Lord order you to do this? He nodded his head and he continued to walk. She was satisfied. No water, no drink, a little baby who needs water. We need something. And she began to call out to Allah. O Lord, O Lord of the worlds, O Lord of Ibrahim, grant us, protect us, look after us. We're looking for water. And she made an effort with it. She ran from one mount to the other, from Safa to Marwa, from Marwa back to Safa. And wallahi, to this day, the water that gushed out, is still gushing and the term zam means to stop she kept trying to stop the water from gushing because of how powerfully it was gushing 
Zam, Zam, Zam. The water became known as Zamzam water. Subhanallah. We call it Zamzam. Imagine if I were to translate that in English, it would be stop, stop. Right? That's the water, Zamzam. Powerful, amazing, a gift from Allah. To this day, it is there. The two mounts are there. The water is there. It is gushing. We all have it. Perhaps in this country, I could gather a thousand liters if I were to talk to you only in this hall. Because of what we have in our houses. That's the Zamzam. It has reached Trinidad, but it started off in Makkah. Why? Ibrahim salam obeyed the instruction of Allah. Allah took care of the rest of it. Today, there is a city there. In no time when the water came, the birds came. When the birds came, the caravans came. When the caravans came, they decided to settle around the water. That was the, that was the desert and that's how it worked. And when they settled, everything happened and Ismail grew older and they got married and a whole community developed. And Makkah became a city and today Makkah is the city that does not sleep. What happened? Obedience. The instruction of Allah. Tomorrow, by the will of Allah, when we discuss part three of these series and there's only four parts two are already done i want to go through the prayers that ibrahim alayhi salam made and that call that he actually made in the desert and what happened and how the desert was transformed to how we see it today may allah almighty bless you all and bless all of us and grant us goodness and happiness in our homes may we have a solid bond and connection with our maker and him alone and may we learn to respect one another and to reach out to one another and to be kind to one another and to develop our habits. May we be the best to our family members, to our children, to our spouses. May we, may we work on our relationships and solve our problems. Because if we're not going to do that, what was the point of attending this talk today? If you cannot go back and change one or two things in your life and become a better person and go home and look at your spouse and smile and you know, tell them the I love yous and whatever else they need to hear today. And not just the hearing, don't just pay lip service. Use those lips. Allah grant us goodness and ease. We're talking of halal here, my brothers, my sisters. People encourage us towards haram. Why can't I tell you to do something halal? Was there something wrong? When the Prophet ﷺ taught us everything, he said whatever he had to say in a beautiful, respectful way. So I pray that inshallah it makes a difference in our lives. Look forward to seeing you guys again tomorrow morning by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, I think it's tomorrow afternoon. And until then inshallah I just say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Muhammad.